20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Packers, from news analysis and banter between a lot of friends and fans. Mike, my name is Mike Wendland, along with me, Tyler Grezegork, and many more followers on Twitter. You can follow us at Packaday Podcast. It's also a good way to find all of our great contributors as well. And Tyler, we are one day away from week three of the Packers season. They're 1-0-1. As they finally embark on the road, they head out to the east to take on Washington in their first non-division matchup. And as, as we look toward Washington, I guess, what kind of sticks out to you with them and what makes you a little bit nervous as we get ready for Sunday? I mean, the this Washington team is kind of perplexing to me. Uh, you know, they go out and they shellack the Arizona Cardinals, and then they go and get their own faces punched in by the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, it's a pretty um, contrasting thing to me when I start looking into this Washington football team. I agree. It's very they're a team that's coached by Gruden, but yet they have a good defense this year, which is always interesting. Mm-hmm. But but as we move on, I know you had to pay a lot of attention to them last week uh, since you also kind of write about the Colts a lot. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have a good idea of what they're going to do. So over the course of the next 20 minutes, so we'll be bringing you guys through some six of the key matchups for this game. We'll also have a game prediction for you guys as well. So before we get started, a quick update as well. The official injury report did come out for today for the Packers, and maybe this will influence our matches a little bit as well. But the only player ruled out has been Kevin King. He is officially done with his groin injury from last Sunday, so he will not be available this week. But everyone else has is questionable, and it's expected that Aaron Rodgers, Oren Burks, Josh Jones, Devon House all will play this week. So they're all expected to be good to go. And, of course, uh, Aaron Jones back with the lineup as well. So a pretty much clean bill of health for the Packers. We'll see how that plays into this game. But with that being said, Tyler, I will turn it over to you. What's the first key matchup you have for the Packers against Washington? Well, I think it's an obvious one, and it's going to be Chris Thompson out of the backfield. I mean, this guy can do some serious damage. He has, to this point in the season, been Alex Smith's security blanket, along with Jordan Reed, the tight end. But when you you have a running back getting 13 receptions out of the backfield, that's a pretty significant number. And he's going to be a guy that the Packers are going to have to key key in on on Sunday. And if Oren Burks is not suited up, I think this could be a real problem for Green Bay. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous matchup as well. He's a guy where I think very similar to week one when they had Tariq, uh, the Bears had Tariq Cohen doing similar things. The thing that worries me more, though, is Thompson is a lot more consistent and Darren Sproles-like than Cohen was, where Cohen was very boomer bust. Thompson is a guy who's going to consistently churn out those yards. He's going to consistently fall forward and get those positive plays. So I wonder if they're going to do what they did against the Bears, and that's slot Jair Alexander over there on him. But without Kevin King, that makes it that makes it more likely you're going to see maybe Devon House out there again. And this just it's kind of a catch twenty two for the team. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, the Kevin King injury to me is very sad because he, that half of football he put up against Minnesota, it was a lot of fun to watch. And there's the one play specifically where he just pinned. Stephon Diggs to the sideline and was you know staying with him foot for foot and it was really impressive to me and it was it just really saddened me to see him go down and we saw the obvious impact when Devon House stepped into the game so uh, it's gonna be 
something to monitor for sure. But I think that we see Josh Jackson in a more prominent role this week, uh, which, again, you know, could cause problems with Jordan Reed because Josh Jackson has been blanketing tight ends this far. Uh, we'll see how Mike Pettin attacks this Washington offense. Absolutely, and thank you for giving me the perfect segue as well. Uh, my first matchup was Jordan Reed. Uh, he's with, he, I think it'll be either Oren Burks, Josh Jackson, maybe Jermaine Whitehead or even Josh Jones covering him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with how Josh Jackson did against Trey Burton was great, but Reed is miles ahead of Trey Burton as far as a pure receiving tight end. And I think if Oren Burks is healthy and can go for a, a large amount of snaps, I think we're going to see him out there a lot match up with Jordan Reed and tasked with neutralizing him. And Alex Smith, in his career, has always loved his tight ends. It was with Vernon Davis in San Francisco and Delaney Walker, as well as Travis Kelsey over in Kansas City. Jordan Reed's probably going to be more of the same, so I think he's going to be a huge factor in how, and again, how Mike Pettin chooses to line him up, whether it's Oren Burks or Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead, Josh Jackson, maybe even for a few snaps, Blake Martinez. Just how he decides to key on the matchup, because... Washington's receivers aren't that scary, and so I think they can put a lot of their attention onto Reed and Thompson, and I think in the middle of the field, those big chunk plays, Reed's uh, just so dangerous. Yeah, Josh Doxson, their number one receiver, arguably, is, I just, he has not lived up to the expectation of being a first-round pick. He's had some really bad drops. Paul Richardson, there's a lot of hype around him. I just don't get it. Jamison Crowder's the only guy that really concerns me out of that receiving core other than Jordan Reed and you also have Vernon Davis there who you actually mentioned so you know I'm looking at this receiving core and the two guys I'm gonna well the three guys I should say that I'm gonna focus in on are Thompson who we just talked about Reed and Crowder and I feel like honestly Jair Alexander and Jamison Crowder is gonna be a great matchup to watch but Jordan Reed is the guy who is going to be the mismatch of choice for the Redskins and I, I, without King out there, and it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Josh Jackson and, and who they put over um, Jordan Reed. Assuming that Oren Burks does not play, I say it's going to be Josh Jones on him, who is going to play this week. But Josh Jones is just coming back to football after being out for a couple of weeks, so he could be a little rusty. So it, it's definitely something to monitor and be a little bit concerned about. As in, I think another guy to keep an eye on, too, could be, uh, I think you might see high Clinton Dixon Reed as well. He he did, it, I think, a lot in that playoff game a couple years ago, matched up with, with Reed. So that could be a thing to keep an eye on, keeping uh, a couple of those deeper safeties, move them a little closer to the line without that bona fide deep threat that could be Richardson, but he hasn't proven it yet. But uh, so those are two big ones, especially for the pass coverage. But what do you have for your next key matchup, Tyler? So my next key matchup that I have for Washington is going to be the wide receivers for the Packers against the Washington secondary. So the Washington pass defense is actually number one in the NFL right now. Now that comes with a caveat. They've played the Arizona Cardinals, who've looked like an absolute dumpster fire. And then they played the Indianapolis Colts, who are not a bad offense, but by no means an offensive powerhouse. And the Colts actually won that football game. So I don't know how legitimate this number one passing defense ranking is right now. Also with it being two weeks into the season, Uh, they do have a good secondary. Uh, A lot of people have been knocking on Fabian Moreau, who's the third corner. I think he's a solid third corner. And then you've got Quinton Dunbar, who seems to be having a, is on the verge of a breakout year this year. I would say he's, he's played really well, pretty 
really well through the first two weeks. Excuse me. And then you've got Josh Norman, who we all know him. And then you've got DJ Swearinger, the guy who is the enforcer on the back end and had two picks against Luck last week. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting matchup as well. And I'm assuming, assuming that Norman will be kind of shadowing Devontae Adams, much like mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes did last week. Dunbar and Moreau, I think, are very underrated guys as well. I know the guys yesterday talked about Moreau a little bit out of place in the slot. So Randall Cobb could have a decent showing there. Well, he but was sticking I, I, with T.Y. Hilton. Like, if you wa- if you go back and watch that Colts game, they had Moreau on T.Y. Hilton because the Colts were moving uh, Hilton into the slot, and Moreau was, for the most part, sticking with him. I mean, Hilton had a big day, but that's because the Colts were force-feeding him the ball and scheming him open. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily due to the fact that they couldn't cover him. That's fair enough. And But my, my big question with that secondary is, is the safety spot. I Monte Nicholson's more or less kind of just a guy right now. He's still improving. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that impressed with DJ Swearinger. I never have going back to his college days. He had a couple picks, but he's always a guy who's also one reckless play away from being suspended. No, exactly. And he's, he, he's an enforcer. That's why, you know, he's a guy that's going to lay the lumber on the back end. And that's really about it. But, I mean, it, it does say something that he had two picks. One of them was a little fluky, a tip off of the uh, defensive line. And then the second one was a legitimate pick where luck forced it into Hilton. But, uh, I mean, maybe he's coming off of a high from the Indianapolis game. But Yeah, that, that's it's just a finish thing. I, th- I do think the advantage there goes to Green Bay, whereas the other mm-hmm. two may have been more toward Washington with the two receiving matchups we talked about. Uh, I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers as well. My next matchup is going to be David Bakhtieri and Lane Taylor against Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne mm-hmm. on the defensive line, also known as the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. But... Bakhtieri, we know what he is. He's right. He's the elite left tackle in the game right now. He's arguably the best left tackle in football at this point. But Allen and Payne are two exceedingly talented guys, a lot like Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, with how just they're not going to be quite keyed on because their stats aren't going to be big. They're not going to get all the national attention. But these are two explosive defensive linemen who were very highly touted coming into the league. And I think how those two play and how the left side of the Packers offensive line handles that could open up a big game for the, for the running backs, as well as some of that, those quick passes for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So the question is with Jonathan Allen, we're always injury based and never performance based. Nobody had any questions about him being able to translate to the NFL. And he has translated wonderfully. If you go back and look at the Indianapolis game last week, there's this one play that I just can't get out of my head he sheds the, I believe it was Quentin Nelson, he sheds him easily and then gets picked up by another blocker and then makes a one-handed tackle on the running back. I was just, it was an insane, it was an insane play. And Deron Payne, the questions with him were mental processing, you know, can he handle the NFL speed? And he seems to be doing all right right now. It, It probably helps that he's got some veteran help on that defensive line. But these are two guys who could definitely give the Packers some fits in the middle of that defense. Absolutely, yeah, because my, my big thing is if we can get those guys tired, get them a little bit off, there's not much behind them. Ziggy Hood is on the backside of his career. Tim Settle's still a rookie. Caleb Brantley is a talented but still a young player. And Matt Ioannidis is a solid third starter but nothing special. So it's really going to be those two guys that have to do a lot of the heavy lifting in the trenches for Washington. And with a line that the, like the Packers have, with the exception of McCray, who struggled more often than not, it's, I, th- I can see those guys being neutralized pretty effectively. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to run the football. 
to do it, uh, run no huddle. But as you mentioned, behind them, there's not much. I mean, they've got they're not bad, but they're just serviceable, and you can definitely deal with serviceable in, in the NFL, especially when you have an offensive line like the Packers do. I agree. And so, as we turn over to our third and final matchup, each Tyler, I'll let you lead it again. Who do you got to? for the Packers to match up with now? <laughs> well, in a slight twist, I have the Packers versus themselves. Now, this is coming off of the Minnesota game where Kentrell Bryce should have made that play at the end of the game to essentially light up Adam Thielen and prevent that touchdown or get the pick or however you want to slice it. You know, th- that play needs to be made. You know, you go back to the Chicago game, and you have that poor decision by Clay Matthews uh, to hit Mitch Trubisky late, you know, and in the head to, you know, just some boneheaded plays, things that Green Bay could be preventing, and they're making their path to being undefeated right now, they're making it so much harder than they need to, and they just need to kind of get get out of their own heads and just go play some football. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, just kind of building off the Kentrell Bryce thing with that play, there's some interesting quotes by him uh, from Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette about it, where he talked about uh, how he said that he said there was no way to play football without laying out Alexander. And according to Bryce, if he makes the play, he's, one, looking at a $30,000 fine for hitting Thielen. And if he makes that play, he's convinced that either he or Alexander or Alexander or both would not be playing this week because of injury. <laughs> and then and then Ryan Wood brought up the tape saying that makes an con- interesting conclusion. And this is a quote from Bryce. Quote, one of us wouldn't be playing this week if I made that play. Either I have a concussion or he has something wrong with his thigh or knee because I'm going to have to dive to make that play. And so I think the fear of injury and league penalty made Bryce a little gun shy. So that's something he's going to have to overcome this week, especially against a guy like maybe Jamison Crowder, like you said, or Jordan Reed coming over the middle. But it's also kind of eye-opening to see, and that goes to your thing of the Packers against themselves, if that kind of doubt starts creeping into other guys on the defense, whether it's a guy like we saw like Mike Daniels a little bit last week mm-hmm. as well, or it's a guy maybe like Antonio Morrison or Blake Martinez, where they have to maybe just that little double take, that little quick second, that could lead to a big play yeah. by Washington. And that and just that kind of maybe creeping doubt could be something that kind of scares me. It totally is. I mean, especially you know in lieu of the whole – Clay Matthews thing with the roughing the passer at the end of the game, you know, these guys, we like you said with Mike Daniels, we already saw it last week when he had Kirk Cousins wrapped up, but he didn't want to get a penalty because he didn't realize that Kirk Cousins still had the football. So it's like, you know, to that one, we're drawing a conclusion that that's why he did that. But when you hear a guy like Kentrell Bryce come out and say that, and also, interestingly enough, Joe Witt, the defensive backs coach, came out and said the similar thing. He's like, what is Kentrell Bryce supposed to do in that situation? You know, he he had, he acknowledged the fact as well that if Bryce goes ahead and finishes that play, we're probably talking about a fine, a suspension, something else. So, I mean, I guess at a certain point you have to put – everything else above football. And if you want to look at it that way, maybe it was a smart play from Bryce, but ultimately it cost the Packers a win probably. So it's kind of like a catch 22, however you want to look at it. But no, that's exactly the way to put it. It's, it's so hard to play defense nowadays that these guys are kind of caught in no man's land. And I can think, I can't help but think, but two years ago when Bryce actually leveled Cole Beasley, whether that would be a findable offense today, but either way, the Packers need to overcome that, overcome any doubt they have about these types of plays and re- and just go out and play their game 
because on paper they are by far the more talented team than Washington mm-hmm. in in most aspects. And so as we come toward my last point, my last matchup, I'm going back in the trenches. And whereas last time I focused on the Packers offensive line, this time it's going to be their defensive line, specifically Kenny Clark and how he matches up with the interior of the Redskins for Sean Leveo, Chase Roulier, and Brandon Scherf. Uh, Scherf's the only household name among those guys because he was a top 10 pick out of Iowa. And so Midwest fans know him pretty well. But with the strength on the outside for Washington's offensive line, that interior is easy to swallow up and overpower. And what we saw with Kenny Clark last week when he had a very, very nice game, and even Mo Wilkerson was pretty solid as well, that if they can go up the middle, move Alex Smith around, he's not as, he can still move a little bit, but he's not as spry as he was. And without the weapons that he had in Kansas City or even San Francisco, there could be it could be a long day for Jay Gruden and Alex Smith if Clark Daniels Wilkerson can get, uh, get some pressure on that interior line. Yeah, so Scherf actually sustained a leg injury against the Colts and probably wasn't 100 percent for most of that game. But the Colts dominated the interior of that offensive line. It just wasn't. There was something wrong. There was something missing. Like, there was no drive. Because I can tell you this right now. The Indianapolis Colts defensive front is nothing to call home about. It's a it's a quality front, but, like, it's nowhere near nowhere near the uh, level of talent that Green Bay has on theirs. I honestly expect Mike Daniels and Muhammad Wilkerson and Kenny Clark to just kind of have their way with this group. Uh, I think Laval is actually out. I think he's hurt as well. So if Scherf is dealing with an injury and Laval is out... You're dealing with Roulier, who is, I believe, a second-year center, and then... Uh, Casey Dunn. Yes. So, you're, it's it, it looks very, very positive for Green Bay going into this game, going up against that interior offensive line for Washington. I agree. And don't forget also about Dean Lowry, who had some really good flashes against Minnesota, and we almost had a couple of sacks there, and we haven't even seen much, much of Montrevious Adams yet. So they can get those five guys all rotate and keep them fresh against a weaker uh, line and let and and let them focus on them and let Trent Williams and Morgan Moses take care of the edges. That could be something to uh, just, I think the Packers can use to their advantage very, very well as they try to get to 2-0-1 and maybe keep pace with the Vikings, who we all know are going to absolutely boat race the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they should <laughs> boat race the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully Buffalo can come in with some fire under their uh, behinds and give the Vikings a fight. Um, You know, I think that that's a game where Minnesota could come in a tad complacent and maybe get behind early. And we're talking about a Buffalo team that's leading at halftime. And I mentioned that because the same thing could happen in this game for Green Bay. To me, this game stinks of everything that exemplifies Packers and underperforming in games that they need to win and should win. So I believe that, you know, while Green Bay is easily the more talented football team going into this game, we've seen this story before, and I am going to go in with this an ounce of hesitation because, I, like I said, we've seen this before where they go in and underperform against these teams where maybe they are going in complacent, but under underperform against these teams where they should definitely easily win. I agree, and I think with Minnesota, they're old, I think their goal is to make more Buffalo players retire at halftime, <laughs> but... So moving on to our listing, we're going to do a couple, a couple quick game predictions. So Tyler, I'll turn to you. How do you think, what do you think the final score is when we get to about 315 Sunday afternoon? 
So I'm looking at this game, you know, I think almost everywhere the Packers have an advantage, maybe one or two places where I would give it to Washington. But I honestly think that Green Bay easily wins this game. I'm going with a 24 to 13 win for Green Bay. Okay, I'm going to go I think both teams will score a little bit more. I think this is the game that the offense finally puts the ball in the end zone more than once. I think that uh, they've had to settle for field goals a bit too much already for two weeks. And I think against a average sec, uh, well, a little silly above average, but a weaker middle of the field for Washington. I think we're going to see Jimmy Graham scores first. I think we're going to see more from uh, Geronimo Allison as well. I think I think Green Bay is going to win this one, thirty-one to twenty. Mm. I think they're going to put up a, a big number. I think it's going to be twenty-four at halftime. Mm. So I think they're going to have a monster first half and and really assert the ground game in the second half and, and bring in that fourth quarter offense with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and just kind of put the hammer down yeah. and, and control the pace of play. Because I think, I think they're out for something to prove because everyone talks about how Minnesota cost themselves that game last week by missing three field goals <laughs> and, and Green Bay missing a field goal as well. So I think with all the attention focusing on toward, toward missed calls and – kickers and just kind of everything going on i think green bay is going to try and prove make a make a statement of this one and show that they're here to stay and so i think they're going to come out with a very big win and get to 2-0-1 yeah i think that they should be 2-0-1 and i think they'll be undefeated going well we're getting a little far uh, a little ahead of ourselves i should say but through the buffalo game you know this team could very well be undefeated going into week five so let's uh, pump the brakes a little bit but their their schedule is definitely much more favor, favorable for a while now. Absolutely, I agree. And so we're going a little longer in time, so that'll wrap things up for us on the Packaday Podcast. Again, don't forget to follow the Packaday Podcast at, at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can also connect with us on Twitter through that means as well. But I guess more than that, Tyler, where can they specifically find you on social media? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez, T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Just did a game breakdown the other day. There's some awesome stuff on there if you uh, are feeling like you need more Packer football. Absolutely. And you can find me at Mike Wentland. Uh, you can find my writings on Packers Talk. I'll have a Bold Predictions article out on, on Saturday morning. So by the time you're listening to this, that'll be out. As well as on Dairyland Express. We'll bring you everything Wisconsin sports as well. Also find us, like us, comment, subscribe to the podcast itself every day. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere nice podcasts are found. We are there as well. Find us all the time and stay tuned again. Tomorrow we'll have Zach and Matub giving you the preview for the game. And, of course, at 1 Eastern, noon Central time, it'll be Packers and Redskins week three of the NFL season. So until next time, we'll talk to you again. That's for Tyler Grezegork. This is Mike Wendland signing off. And, of course, Go Pack Go! to go to scoreless first. Snap to Wild. Oh, yes! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo Allison! Geronimo Allison! Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a Lambeau leap to the north end zone stands. The Packers have a 6-0 lead.
Rogers shotgun. Williams to his left. Snap to Rogers. Tosses left side. Got Adams. Circle loops between two defenders. He ends up for a touchdown. Daniel Carlson poised to end this game. 35-yard field goal attempt. Kevin McDermott on the snap. Matt Wild, the punter, down on one knee. Waiting for the snap. Arm extended. seasons he misses again in overtime and this game ends tied at 29.